You're listening to the Armchair Cricket Podcast. Hello, everyone. Good day to you. Welcome to the fifth episode of the Armchair Cricket Podcast. This is a podcast focusing on test cricket by Armchair Critics of the Game. Uh, We are recording this episode on the 1st of February. We're happy to receive support and feedback from listeners from all over the world. Keep supporting us. Do continue to listen to us and also introduce uh, this podcast to your cricket-loving friends. You can find us on Podbean or Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Just look for Armchair Cricket Podcast uh, on anywhere uh, you listen to our podcast. Please leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Share uh, your thoughts uh, in the comment section. You can email us on armchair.cricket at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at armchaircrickpod. We are sometimes uh, on Twitter during live matches. You can join us there for a banter. Now, having said that, I would like to welcome Ajit. Hi, Ajit. How are you doing? Hi, Giri. Uh, thanks for having me on the show. Uh, I've been doing good. A lot of cricket to follow this week, so a lot of enthusiasm yeah. for me. Mm-hmm. So, before we get into the cricket, shall we first look at the question that I had asked, um, sure. let's say, in the last episode, so we can take a quick look at the question and the answer. So, before we go to the question or the answer, I'm uh, let's say I was looking forward to a few more inputs from our listeners, but I didn't get any. But uh, I'm hoping in the upcoming episodes, we get a few more listeners participating and maybe answering our trivia question. So the trivia question was, can you name any cricketer from the South Asian subcontinent who has represented more than one country at the highest level? So mm-hmm. some of the answers for such a question are, so when India and Pakistan got created in the South Asian subcontinent, right? So there were many people who had already, let's say, represented an Indian team who went on to then later represent Pakistan team. So three such examples are Gul Mohammad, let's say, who played eight matches for India and then one match for Pakistan. And then uh, Abdul Hafiz Kardar, who was, let's say, one of the more, let's say, uh, entertaining stars of the Pakistan cricket in the early years and also one of the architects of the Pakistan cricket. He started by representing India. And uh, let's say he played three matches. And then later, he went on to play 23 matches for Pakistan. The third such player would be Amir Ilahi. He played one match for India, but then went on to represent Pakistan in five matches. So these are like three such cricketers. But there's one other cricketer who does not fall into the same category as representing India and Pakistan, but still played for two countries. So this would be the Nawab of Pataudi Senior, which would be Iftikar Ali Khan Pataudi. Mm-hmm. He played initially for England, uh, let's say three matches in the 1932-34 series. And then he represented India in 1946. So these are some real exceptions where from the subcontinent, these are the players who've got to represent multiple countries. This was our question or the answer to the question. I would say, hang on till the end of the podcast. We have one more trivia question for you that you can attempt to answer or maybe answer successfully for the upcoming podcast. Mm-hmm. Now then. Let's but, go on know, to the test series, Kiri. Yeah, sure. Let's do that. Do you want to All start right. with uh, Australia and Sri Lanka? Yeah, good one. So, mm-hmm. 
let's say with australia sri lanka we know the second test it started has started from uh, the 1st of february that is yesterday night for us uh, our time yeah. and in canberra yeah. so mm-hmm. we knew already that sri lanka were sort of on the back foot even before the test match started because you see their entire fast bowling lineup had to change so yeah. we already knew um, kumara was out but yeah. on the eve of the test we got to know chamira and lakmal are also out so that basically meant sri lanka had to go in with three new fast bowlers and so they handed a debut to chamika karuna ratna mm-hmm. right and along with that they had to bring bring in vishwa fernando and kasun rajita so we already spoke about kasun rajita in the previous episode but we also have vishwa fernando who is a left arm quick and kasun uh, rajita is a right arm quick but then you have chamika karuna ratna who is sort of an interesting case you know this yeah. guy he's he's not only plays cricket at a very high level but also was the second ranked badminton player in all of sri lanka when he got a call up really yeah, that's very he was active he was actively playing badminton for sri lanka uh, or yes. Uh, yeah? yes yes okay yes. that's quite so, interesting mm-hmm. <clears throat> so you have this guy coming in and uh, let's say <clears throat> i'm sorry a bit of a throat uh, so this guy comes in uh, so let's say australia won the toss and get to bat first and then maybe would you like to quickly summarize what happened in the first test play yeah sure so um this was a new uh, stadium i think it was a new pitch um, uh, the first ever test match played there at that ground at canberra yeah um, yeah um, australia <laughs> Uh, fortunately yeah i don't want to say fortunately they won the toss right i mean they won the toss and they had no hesitation in uh, opting to bat first of course um, um like you said sri lanka had a new bowling lineup the the seamers were completely new uh, rajita fernando and karuna ratna um yeah. so when when the when the australians came out to bat i think sri lankans bowled really well uh, they were quite accurate and they also managed to get early wickets so they were australia were three down for 28 so they lost uh, marcus harris uh, khwaja and uh, labush khagni cheaply um so mm-hmm. it was uh, they had a very interesting first hour of play so sri lanka were quite good in the first hour of play and then after that uh, travis said joined uh, the other opener um, joy burns yeah and both of them put together a yeah i think it it's a, it's a, it's, a, it's it was a long partnership more than 300 runs if i'm not wrong so they put a, put on such a long partnership uh both of them uh, scoring centuries and at the end of the day's play uh australia were 384 for four wickets um at a scorching run rate of 4.41 that's more one day like i would say um for sri lanka three wickets for fernando and one for karunaratna um the other bowlers were pereira and uh, de silva pereira was the more experienced uh, of these guys but i think he went for uh, a lot of runs no no wicket nothing in the wickets column for him um so at the end of the day's play 384 for four uh, joy burns still at the crease unbeaten on 172 uh, with uh, curtis patterson uh, batting with him on 25 um so australians rightly on top there so they were uh, i think after the first three wickets were uh, went down sri lanka didn't have a chance after that so no oh, yeah Okay, now nah, that was a good summary. So just a couple of things to add to that. You are absolutely right. You know, Sri Lanka started really positively. So Australia were like three for twenty-eight. That's sort of tough on the first morning of a Test match. But mm. uh, I think um, Vishwa Fernando started well. I mean, he was sort of bowling the standard lines and lengths, and the ball was swinging gently out. 
I think Harris sort of got out trying to reach out to the ball, so did Kwaja. And I think Marnas Labushagne, or Labushagne, or Labushain, sorry, uh, was sort of um, dismissed. I think he was worked out by the newcomer, Samika Karunaratna. So he had a good wicket to begin his test career with, right? But then, as you say, uh, um, Joey Burns and Travis Head, they sort of got together. They put on a 308 run partnership, which is sometimes, you know, more than an entire innings. And they did it in a very fast clip. You're absolutely right. The rawness in the Sri Lankan lineup came through the bowling lineup. They were, look, the three fast bowlers had five tests between them. It really showed, right? Sri Lanka leaked a lot of runs. And also, I don't think they did themselves any favors when they dropped a lot of catches. I think they have dropped four catches, right, during the day. And um, one of the most crucial ones was, I think, Joe Burns was just dropped before lunch. Which, which could have been crucial. If, if Australia had gone into lunch at 84-4, I think the complexion of the game would have been different. Yeah. Unfortunately, well, these both guys really went on to make big hundreds, daddy hundreds. Joey Burns is 172, as you said, rightfully. And uh, Travis had 161, also a big hundred. But also, I think, when both of them converted their hundred, you know, made their hundreds, you could see they were a bit uh, you know, emotional. I think yeah. uh, Travis had said at the end of the day, he remembered Phil Hughes, his good friend. And I think Joe Burns was sort of remembering the travails he went through in the last couple of seasons when he was out of the Australian team. So, sort of it came out when they got to the landmark. But I think they did well, right, to get to the 100. Because um, I was reading on Twitter, Andrew Sampson, who works as a statistician with both SABC and, uh, you know, Cricket Australia, sometimes also TMS. He sort of put out a stat on Twitter that said, you know, the 100 from Joe Burns was the first one Mm -hmm. in six tests for Australia. And only once have they ever gone for, you know, a longer test match spell without a hundred being scored by one of their batsmen. This is all the way back in 1956 when they went seven tests, mm. a whole Ashes series against England, five tests, and one test each against India and Pakistan where they couldn't score a hundred. So this was a long dry spell as far as hundred was concerned and it was broken in a grand way. <laughs> you know, two big hundreds on the same day, right? Yeah. And the last possible test match on the home summer. So well done them. Yeah. So, but if it I rains, mean, it rains really hard. Yeah, indeed, <laughs> it, it, it rains heavily. So, but it looks like I think. Look, I mean, going forward, having considered 384 already on the first day, Sri Lanka have their backs firmly against the wall. I would say they are really up against it because uh, even if Australia were to get to 500, which looks like a minimum at this stage, they have two set batsmen at the crease and some more to come. I think they are in a bit of trouble. And this Sri Lankan batting lineup has already been a bit brittle. They've lost the first test match. And I would say maybe, uh, let's say, the Australian bowling lineup still has a few things to say. Mitchell Stark would probably be railing to, raring to go. Jay Richardson is very promising. And of course, Pat Cummins is the man of the moment, isn't he? He took a 10-4 in the previous test. Yeah, I think uh, it's completely stacked up against uh, Sri Lanka right now. Uh uh, I don't. I mean, I hope they don't get a hiding. Uh, they, they, I think their best man needs to step up uh, and uh, put up a good performance. Uh, uh, Australia probably will bat another two sessions, two and a half sessions, uh, and uh, at the end of it, I think they will be about 600, close to 600. They're pretty sure will not bat again. Uh, and Sri Lanka will, if they can avoid follow-on, that's well and good. But let's let's not get ahead of things. But um, I hope that Sri Lanka can, you know, uh, they, they have good batting lineup, so I hope they can uh, make a match of this. They, you know, show some courage, show some spirit, be out there, and then you know, uh, play, take, take, uh, take pride in uh, the playing for their country, and then put up a good performance. So I would really like to see that. But if that's going to happen, that's another story. Indeed, let's let's look. 
to what the pitch has to say as they say never judge a pitch until both teams have batted at least once on it right yeah, yeah, so yeah. let's see <laughs> and of course what you were saying to me offline you know sri lanka does have a very talented batting lineup but they are also good during the second innings maybe this is the time they do it in the first innings right you were saying this makes yeah. sense so maybe yeah. this is the time they come good they walk away with a bit of pride you know the series may go but if look if the opposition top 600 i don't see them coming back to win the series or at least square the series so at least they take a bit of pride if they were to draw this test so a couple of quick points which are sort of off field points so uh, at least one of them let's say if you were to discuss about it will pukowski has opted to withdraw himself out of the squad the test match squad so that he can continue to work on his mental wellness right so this is a very young player he's only 20 and he has a documented history of few mental issues so i guess i guess this comes for the good at least for the player that he's been or he's asked to withdraw himself uh, but somehow i think when i look at this whole whole saga i think the australian selectors may have rushed him into the test squad without really taking a look at how uh, let's say how ready he was to get into the top form uh, top topmost format of the game the most competitive format and you know perform for australia maybe he was not at there that's what the shows right and the other thing i would like to point out is maybe they sort of let it out that he was being you know sort of released so that he could work on his mental issues i don't know if that really affects him in a positive way knowing that he's already having these issues maybe pointing that pointing this out so openly openly mm. might make it a bit you know less less nice for him but he's a young man what do you have to say about it um you know we've had some cricketers uh, with a history of mental illness uh, over over the last few years you know one name that uh, you know pops up uh, in my mind is uh, marcus trescothic mm-hmm. uh, the english opener he had quite a bit of an issue i think he couldn't play uh, the winter series uh, basically so he couldn't play uh, when he was away from england so he had to be close to home or uh, playing at home and we okay. also had the other guy number 3 who batted at number 3 was what was his name forgot uh, mitchell johnson ended his career right <laughs> oh yeah well let <laughs> yeah. me at least yeah. scared him So yeah, Jonathan okay. Scott, I would say, yeah. Yeah. Correct. So we had these, uh, uh, you know, highly prolific uh, cricketers who had issues. So maybe it's it's also time to uh, speak about this, you know, uh, make it more, uh, um, you know, uh, more public, uh, create more awareness, if if you can call it that, about mental issues. Uh, I hope uh, this guy, uh, you know, what's his name, Pukowski, gets uh, the kind of support he needs uh, in this, uh, uh, you know, in this moment of, uh, yeah. Uh, weakness or whatever uh, so i hope he gets the support he needs and then um, come makes a comeback as he as he said he's a kid is just 20 21 years old so he has a long career a career ahead of him indeed but um I, maybe you can answer this question i mean uh, have you ever heard of uh, any uh, player from our subcontinent india pakistan bangladesh or sri lanka with mental issues uh, we have never uh, read about any uh, story like that that a player had uh, such an issue have you heard of anyone i think i think it's something to do with the cultural makeup of our mm-hmm. region the south asia because uh, they, i'm sure there have been players who faced mental issues before or let's say mental uh, illness or you know sort of something about their mental wellness but mm-hmm. i think it has been hidden and sort of put away as a format of a physical injury maybe so that the player does not look uh, very bad in front of the public size it's mm-hmm. more of a cultural thing i would say that that's one point that maybe there are issues which don't come to light always right that's one point but the other way of looking at it is probably us we have a very let's say a way in which we talk to our mm-hmm. peers and our maybe our elders or maybe those in the coaching setup and we are able to let these out we yeah. don't let it 
let it get you know uh, dammed and so that you get this dam burst and you get an issue probably we we sort of sort of communicate our issues sometimes a bit too openly and a bit too uh, intimately to other uh, mm. friends or peers but maybe maybe there's a lesson in that you know sometimes yeah. when you tend to keep all of these bottled in maybe it's not a good thing so, so you're saying the support system is a bit different in subcontinent compared to uh, the western world i would uh, say the that. support system is more professional let's say in the western world yes uh, and in the subcontinent it's like you said it's a bit more intimate so you can confide in people uh, a lot more easily right yeah that's 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 a very good way of putting it also it's a very slightly an informal setup where you don't probably feel judged you know yeah. you're not sitting yeah. on a couch in front of a professional yeah, but anyway strange. so yeah. anyway mm-hmm. yeah that's a, that's a, that's a good point you brought up you know the different in cultural makeup affects how much people sort of also um uh, let these things come out into the public maybe yeah you know? but let's wish uh, pukowski well uh, let's hope uh, he gets uh, gets better soon and uh, makes a comeback indeed or make gets a, gets a debut yeah uh, he debut. will i think he has he has a bright future ahead of him let's say and uh, ahead of uh, yeah i think one one point we were talking about offline uh, ajit uh, about uh, the opening partnership uh, for australia opening batsman for australia Yeah. So we just saw Joey Burns made a big hundred right now, and there is uh-huh. one guy waiting to make a comeback after his after the end of his uh, ban. Well, you assuming he gets a chance, David yeah. Warner, you mean? Yeah. Well, what's going to happen? I mean, uh, how do you think this will line up for Ashes? Yeah, good question. Look, I think given that he's made such a big hundred, maybe he has more to add to it tomorrow, right? Mm. I would say Joey Burns gets a berth on the board, as they say, on his own. potential and on his own merit mm. if warner were to come in i'm sure he'll be let's say added to the squad and yeah. he'll have to compete with uh, burns and harris because harris has been doing well yeah. as well you know he's been yeah. he's averaging he's averaging in the 40s even in this innings i think he began well but couldn't convert so he harris has done well so let's say it'll be a nice nice uh, competition between these three mm. and david warner will have to sort of get back into the rhythm and get back into the squad really he may not be the first choice opener this could yeah, be so on present point. form on present form they would go for uh, joey burns and uh, marcus harris yes how do you leave out a person who made 172 even if your next test is the worst ashes close to 200 well let's hope he gets a 200 though did yeah, yeah good point man good point yeah all right then so maybe we can go on to the next ongoing test currently between england yeah. and west indies the big 19. one indeed yeah played at uh, sir isaac vivian alexander richards uh, home ground right <laughs> holy cow holy cow i don't know if they have a board with the whole thing in the no i think they just party. have sir vivian richards or sir vivian richards uh, stadium or something like that indeed and one of the ends is called sir curtly ambrose end do you know that of course the other one andy roberts <laughs> yes of course very famous antigans also yeah. both united for the services yeah. well done it's a, it's a beautiful uh, uh, ground 366th beach it once was no no longer wow uh, You know they have 365 beaches. They claim that they have so many beaches in uh, in in those islands. One every and, day. Uh, wow. And this pitch or this ground was um, was banned, right? Uh, ICC had banned uh, any integration international cricket to be played here for a year or so. Uh, yeah, I guess the match had to be suspended. The pitch was yeah. not found to be of sufficient quality. Maybe so, I'd say all mm. this all this talk of beaches got into the stadium, and uh, the stadium itself had a little bit of a sandy sort Sad. of. quality yeah. they felt the stadium was not really or the pitch playing pitch and the you know the ground was not very stable so they had to abandon a match previously but i think now it's good but still i think yeah. the curator has done a good job you know yeah. kept the it's... pitch a bit more curated a bit more hard a bit more mature the strip in such a way that 
there's too much grass there but if that's the way forward it's a good it still contributes to a good cricket game so yeah. what we saw was a green pitch so which yeah. basically meant you know both teams going with four quick bowlers well it's certainly not a docile pitch we saw we all saw that uh, i think uh, uh, if you look at what happened west indies won the toss uh-huh. uh, and they decided to uh, field first because i think they thought there was a lot of life in the pitch uh, on the first morning on the first uh, couple of hours and try to make inroads uh, into the um, uh, english batting lineup and they were quite yeah. successful huh? i think they had uh, quite a good start the bowlers were uh, quite nagging in line and length they were very good consistent roach and uh, shannon gabriel um and england were uh, i think five down no i think they were six down for 90 odd right yeah yeah you got that yeah. right i think yeah, yeah yeah six down for 90 something until uh, moin ali and uh, johnny besto put up a fight i think uh, there was also ben folks uh, who came in later do, do you want to take through the innings and uh, the impact of the west indian uh, fast bowlers i think i think you've summarized it well so when it comes to the batting if you look at the top six there's only one relevant score 52 by johnny besto mm. it was a counter attacking 52 right yeah. and then there was uh, well moin ali and folks as you said moin ali made the top score in the innings of 60 it was also crucial that moin ali did this because he was really looking really looking t- at at sea against uh, you know gabriel when he began i think in the first three balls i think he got hit on the lid once and he hooked very very unconvincingly but then yeah. uh, well i mean coming to the bowlers i think roach and gabriel were really incisive Yeah. and roach more so with the new ball gabriel sort of began with the new ball he was sort of a little bit all first two overs later he looked a bit uncomfortable i think he took a quick uh, break to consult the physio and i think the physio told him go out there and run it off <laughs> right he had some hamstring issues right so i think uh, yes yes yeah. but then he mm-hmm. comes back and then uh, you know also alzari joseph was playing on his home ground mm-hmm. had an impact right so i think uh, joseph dismissed J- denley and then rory burns was dismissed by roach mm. and uh, i think you made a comment offline when you said joey roots ball was <laughs> joey roots ball oh, the one that unplayable that, yeah, mm. yeah yeah the one that hit on that uh, raw let's say that surface just around the good length area from one end yeah. if the ball pitch is there anything can happen either it can scoot through and dismiss you i think today yeah. in the second day's play i think uh, roster chase was bold there was nothing he could have done about that ball yeah i think uh, ian bishop mentioned this uh, during the commentary there is a dry patch around the good length area uh, when you're bowling from the curtly ambrose end i see and if you hit that patch uh, it, anything can happen it can either spit uh, spit out of the ground and hit like uh, uh, take take the edge like uh, jorut had or it ah. can stay down like uh, roster chase of course um, so So uh, the one which got uh, Joe Root was I mean, unbelievable. Nobody could have played that. Uh, even Jeffrey I mean, Boycott could not have played that. Jumped off a good that. length, right? Jumped off a good length at his throat or his face. Cool. And then he he completely collapsed. He couldn't believe what was happening. I think it was. Uh, and, and it was also a good catch, right, to get him out. It was yeah, there was teamwork. Campbell yeah. and uh, uh, Shea Hope. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, the keeper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he parried it. And Campbell parried it, and then uh, Shea Hope took it on I the see. rebound. Yeah. Hope took it, so it was in the slips. Yeah. Okay, yeah. cool. In the slips. No, but. Yeah. Uh, I think when you name two, you know, I, I I blame the administrators because when you name both the ends on two such menacing <laughs> fast bowlers, what expect the pitch to do? I really name it as the beach end or whatever bar end. Come on, yeah. Uh, but come to think of it, come to think of it, Jimmy Anderson was not happy uh, bowling from the Andy Roberts end. Of course, everybody <laughs> wants to bowl from the Kurtley Ambrose end. Kurtley right? Ambrose end, yeah. And Stuart Broad was bowling really well. 
Yeah. I think yeah. Broad had a point or two to prove and I think he bowled well when his turn came. But before we go there, mm. um, I think Ali stuck out and he somehow yeah. rode through these tough patches, get, got to 60. He was supported very well by folks. But they both knew their time could not last forever. So they got to a really strong position on such a tough pitch. You know, considering they were 6 for 93, they were then 178 for 6, which was good. So yeah. on such a pitch, probably 200 is a par score, right? 225 even. So yeah. I think they would have fancied their chances at that stage, but then this guy Gabriel wakes up. He was probably asleep yeah. or whatever. He Sleeping wakes up. Giant, yeah. <laughs> yes, he really gives a thorough working over to both yeah. the batsmen and folks is dismissed, bowled by Gabriel. But before that, just before that, Roach is also in the action. He takes Moin Ali out of the equation. And then yeah. the tail folded up. So I think the most relevant thing here to say is given they were 178 for six. England were dismissed for 187 in yeah. another nine months, right? So, I think the tail was really quickly dismissed. And these both uh, veteran fast bowlers can take credit for that, can't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely, yeah. Uh, but, you know, uh, one more thing. Shannon Gabriel was really bowling well uh, uh, at the top of the order. So, when uh, he got all those four or five wickets down, Moin Ali came out to bat. They tested him with that uh, switch in music. Of course. Um, of course. And uh, to... To my real surprise, they uh, they didn't have anybody at short leg or uh, uh, or what's that called leg gully, ah. and a couple of uh, balls flew off uh, uh, Moin Ali's uh, bat or the shoulder of his bat towards the leg gully region. I think Moin Ali could have been dismissed a lot earlier than uh, he was. He, he was riding his luck. Luck. Everybody was riding his luck uh, on this pitch. I think uh, Johnny Bestow uh, summed it up later when he said. You got to take your chances when when there is a, ba- a ball to be hit. You have to take your chance because you never know what's going to happen. There is a ball with your name on it, and that's going to take you down for sure. So, um, so in the end, I think I'm actually uh, to be really honest with you, I thought 187 was a very good score. Looking at uh, how the pitch was behaving, and also thinking what Jimmy Anderson and Stuart Board brought along with Ben Stokes would be able to do on this pitch. I was hoping for a lot of action from their side, and you know, a lot of uh, sting, you know. So, well, um, so which takes us to uh, the first innings uh, of West Indies or uh, England's uh, bowling. Yeah, like yeah. Go, go, on. That? go Well, on. okay. So, I think we should give a lot of credit to the openers, the West Indian openers, Prathwaite and mm. Campbell, because mm. they sort of stuck it out. They spent uh, 20, 21 hours overnight. You know, they did not give a single wicket. They were only 30 runs, but yeah. they made sure. England could not get in that evening, you know. A 20 for 2 would have been much different from a 30 for no loss, let's say, yeah. right? So, yeah. they should be given the credit. And they really absorbed a lot of pressure. So, first of all, Campbell, who was, who was I think, plays more strokes than Brathwaite does. Mm-hmm. He sort of absorbed a lot of balls. He took 118 balls for his 47 and he was dismissed well after the first hour in the second morning. But then Craig Brathwaite continued to play. He was really unlucky to be dismissed for 49. You know, he really deserved a 50, having defied the England bowling for almost three hours. Yeah. I think between these two, they made sure that, you know, even though the first wicket fell at 70 for West Indies, the second only fell at 133. So, between Hope and Brathwaite, they made sure that sort of the bowlers were already beginning to tire. They had already batted out 50 overs, right? So, there was no collapse, basically. Indeed. Yeah. So, they, look, then the bowlers, of course, came into it. So, you could not keep the bowlers out forever. Broad really came back into it. He dismissed both Hope and Chase. With, and Chase, as we talked about, with an unplayable ball. <coughs> yeah. But um, by then, what the top four had done, they had made solid contributions. So, you had a 49, yeah. a 47, a 44, and a 33. The 33, what you mentioned previously, of course, Bravo, uh, who's not out. He's taken 165 balls. He stayed at the wicket for three and a half, three and a half hours. Just to yeah. keep the bowlers out, it's a really scratchy, stodgy innings. Very unlike Bravo, but what I like is the application 
and the character he's showing. No, he's basically dropped anchor and then he has stood there. He has not. He is not budged. He has said, "I'm not going to move. You got to bowl me something special to get me out on this." Agreed. So on such a pitch to last 165 balls, he's done really <laughs> well. On top of that, he got a little bit of support. Hetmarid did his bit 21. Dowrish did his bit 31. And they still have older. Let's not forget his double centurion. Yeah. Uh, 19 not out. And I think, look, West Indies already have a very handy lead. At the end of the second day, they have a handy lead of 83 runs or even 85. Right? Mm. So this basically means, let's say if, if the lead were to claw, cross 125, really West Indies are in a very, very, very comfortable position. Yeah. Having said that, let's say, you know, tomorrow sort of again begins a new day and you know the Anders, uh, the bowlers are not nothing they're nothing to speak less of Anderson brought yeah. Stokes they may come back Karan has not uh, had a lot to do but he may come back Ali bowled well he took two wickets so mm-hmm. if the bowlers were to strike back if they were to still restrict West Indian, West Indian innings to under let's say a lead of 100 or 110 England still have a chance so this is my prediction even a chase of 125 in the fourth innings could be very interesting because of what the pitch is doing. You can't expect this pitch to get any better as it wears out, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't expect it to flatten out like the in the previous test in Barbados. So I would mm-hmm. say this is going to be a shortened match, not going the full distance, but it's going to be a very exciting match. My my prediction is West Indies will take it because simply because of the amount of lead that they'll make in the first innings. If they get yeah. to anywhere around 150, it's done. Let's say I don't see England coming back, but you never know. And in the second innings or in the fourth innings of their, uh, you know, the match, West Indies sure. West would do well to probably do a little bit about their batting. Maybe push somebody yeah. like Mayer at three, Umbra, and even a. So if there is a chase, I mean, if they want to chase down a short target, you mean? Exactly. If it's a hundred yeah. or hundred and ten, push a couple of stroke makers a little above. No, I'm yeah, not but, open. But even before that, you know, uh, even before that, when England uh, come out to bat. For their mm-hmm. second innings, mm-hmm. um, they sh- uh, their batsmen should spend more time at the crease. You know, uh, bat at least something like uh, three or four sessions. Give their bowlers a rest, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. that uh, when they set a target for West Indies, pro- assuming this is not going to be an innings defeat of nah. a horrific kind, um, yeah. let's say they they put on uh, they set a target for West Indies, their bowlers will be a bit fresh. You know, they get some respite, they get some rest to replenish themselves and come back hard at West Indies uh, during the second innings. So I think it's important the the batsmen, England batsmen, mm-hmm. apply themselves, uh, not, not just go on, on, on an all-out attack thinking this is going to be uh, a very tough to, wicket to bat on. They just have to apply themselves, just like Brethwaite and uh, Campbell did uh, for West Indies. So they have to spend a lot more time. Only, can... yeah, I think that that's going to help them uh, either, you know, f- win this, you know, I mean, I don't know if when England is going to win this. You, ne- you may never know. But then uh, it's going to make them uh, keep a fair chance uh, to uh, come up with uh, come up with some goods, you know, to deliver uh, the goods at the end. Yeah. You know, if they were so, to, let's say, you know, maybe take 100, 110 hours at least, right? Maybe yeah. They give yeah. their bowlers the required rest, but also, you know, give themselves enough but, target. But let's not forget, I mean, during the first uh, first test match, uh, the, the England bowlers bowled for a long duration. They were wicketless for almost one day or even more than a day, I think. Mm-hmm. So they already had some... Uh, uh, they ha- they've already spent a lot of time in the middle there, uh, on the field. Mm. So they need a bit of rest. Uh, so any rest they can get, they will be very happy with. Of I, course. I would say. Yeah, Yeah, it was a short turnaround between tests. Yeah. You have a good yeah. point. Yeah. So, I mean, let's see how this test unfolds. But it's going to be a really interesting affair, right? And 
West yeah. Indies stand a chance of taking a 2-0 series lead here. They would be very excited about it, I'm sure. Uh, right? I think it's I'm hoping I'm hoping for that as well. It's really nice to see West Indies uh, playing so well after such a long time. So it really works well for international cricket. Calypso cricket. cricket. Yeah. Of course. Now this is a good point you made. The Calypso brand of cricket should, you know, fly proud or play proud but i'm going to say whenever west indians play england they always have this bit of a needle so i think it's something to do with the history between the two cultures you know i but, I, i saw uh, i sorry sorry to interrupt you i i saw a boundary uh, by dowridge uh-huh. he played uh, he pulled the ball i think it was from ben stokes it was just shortish he he just uh, did an instant instinctive pull Uh, uh-huh. on one leg you know that nataraja yes. shot the very famous nataraja flamingo, shot flamingo nataraja yeah, flamingo yeah. nataraja whatever shot yeah, yeah. it yeah. was very good to watch so for once it reminded me of the old uh, glory days of west indies west yeah. indies cricket yeah despite in one leg yeah. of course yeah absolutely so, yeah in west indies previously there's always a saying that says you know there's always room in the air <laughs> no matter how packed the field is there's yeah. always room in the air so yeah. that's that's the culture that's that's a the flamboyance of the nature of play should not be taken out of it you are absolutely yeah. right yeah. so uh, let's see how the test match unfolds i'm very curious about it but you know just when we are talking of stats i think in the previous episode i may have said holder is 6 foot 5 right maybe mm-hmm. i was wrong but uh, in this case uh, he's 6 foot 7 or 6 foot 8 almost because he's 2 meter 1 cm tall and that makes him probably the tallest centurion ever this is something i would like to look at or probably jason gillespie what about him i think he uh, he uh, scored more, a double century probably against bangladesh or sri lanka i don't remember he did he did but he's more 6 foot 5 i'm not wrong rather than 6 foot 7 oh okay look clive okay. lloyd himself was 6 foot 6 right uh, so but uh, we'll have to look it up maybe when we get an opportunity this is a just a interesting stat for me to just mm. you know ponder about and if any of our listeners would like to tell us if holder is indeed the tallest centurion ever or the tallest double centurion ever you know tom moody may have made 100 he's, he was 6 foot 8 as well we don't know let's 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 uh, you know let's ask our listeners to co- contribute let's let's ask them to pitch a good in point yeah plus. yeah all right so the last uh, small point you know to go quickly through this um it looks like i think uh, the some of the comments of flintoff and boycott may have uh, sort of attracted a bit of uh, criticism from the west indies west indies uh, cricket mm. uh, boards you know chief executive uh, do you have anything to add to that yeah i think they uh, they kind of uh, spurred them on i think uh, by uh, with those comments uh, andrew flintoff and uh, jeffrey boycott um maybe a bit disrespectful i think the current crop of players uh, do reserve, uh, do deserve a lot more respect than uh, what was on offer there uh, it's not not a nice thing to say but then uh, let's hope it spurs them uh, on and uh, you know <laughs> make uh, england pay pay on the field you know uh, like the old days let's hope no. that happens yeah as i said there's always a bit of needle when these two sides play and especially in the caribbean in front of the home crowds right at the end of the day look uh it, as long as there's enough respect between the players what somebody outside of the field has to say they will say these pundits yeah. this it's yeah. not a big deal but uh, there is a reason west indies have not conceded more than one series to england in the last 50 years right they are always very proud of it mm. so you know going back to if you look at the annals of history i think one of the ex england captains the late great tony greg Mm. seemed to have run afoul of the west indian crowd at some point in time and he was the captain of england i think this was the 1976 series 
he was sort of you know i think he he used a very disrespectful disrespectful term he said he he would make the west indian team grovel and uh-huh. i think the west indian players did not take kindly to that right and you could have guessed the rest of the series was completely one sided and in one mm-hmm. of those test matches in front of a very very partisan oval crowd if i'm not wrong tony mm-hmm. greg sort of who was fielding near the boundary literally went down on his knees sort of to say i'm sorry i made a wrong comment on it right very theatrical <laughs> very tony greg yeah. but that happens so don't 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 take these guys lightly the west indian cricketers are always proud and they have a lot of talent what they don't have is probably an application but this team you could see clearly the difference between the two teams was the application right through this series so yeah. never write them off man this is my my take away from let's this. hope it's not a false start you know like like we had uh, in the past let's hope uh, this is uh, um, as we spoke in the previous episode under yeah. jason holder they look a bit more settled at least the longer formats let's hope you know this they convert this into a long term promise they are number 8 right england are number 3 but maybe they win the series and this is a positive start for them all right now let's go forward maybe we now go on to the two or the three one day series that are in progress so first let's go to the new zealand india series so we know that you know new zealand were already three nil yeah. down the home team was yeah. under a bit of they pressure they lost uh, yeah yeah they made a few changes to the team they brought back in i think they brought in james franklin and uh, todd assel to see if they could try these people out now that the series was lost probably it should time to sort of finalize their combinations for the world cup as well right so shall we quickly go through the two one dayers then so shall we encapsulate yeah. the uh, yeah yeah let's go through the two one dayers maybe let's start with the fourth odi and i think i may have gotten the name wrong <laughs> it's indeed not james franklin James Franklin is probably not in the frame, but it's <laughs> He's probably long game. retired, I guess. Yeah, sorry about that. Let's go. go let's go through the fourth ODI, Giri. Yeah, um, let's do that. Um, so the fourth ODI was played at the same ground as the second one. No, sorry, uh, we're talking about the third one, right? We we first need to talk about the third oh, one. Did I miss that? I'm sorry. Yeah, go. yeah. So Mount uh, Monganui, Monganui. How do you say that? Monganui. But Monganui. Yeah. Sorry, Even sorry about my pronunciation. Yeah. Mine is a guesstimate. Go for it. Yeah, the third ODI was um, was a tight contest, better than the first two, I would say. Uh, the so India won at the end. Um, New Zealand batted first, uh, and uh, <clears throat> well, they chose to bat first after winning the toss, and then they made 243. I think 243. They were all out uh, inside of 50 overs. They were all out for uh, in 49 overs. uh taylor i think ross taylor uh, played a very good uh, uh, 93 and uh, laysam supported him with a 50 but apart from that nobody else uh, stood around them to uh, you know uh, get a bigger score so this looked like a very good batting uh, surface uh, but uh, yeah i think new zealand came up short uh, on that uh, india bowled well uh, bhuneshwar mm-hmm. kumar uh, shami especially shami you know uh, he's he's been bowling quite well uh, in this series uh, after Indeed. making a comeback into the odi team so you have yeah. to uh, commend him on his efforts i think he's done well uh, chahal and uh, kuldeep yadav they were also effective kuldeep yadav although did not pick up any wickets however we also had another guy making entry into the team making a comeback into the team hardik pandya he mm-hmm. had a quiet match he got two wickets though uh, but i think he played well uh, for those two wickets he bowled well for those two wickets yeah uh, was there also a catch that he held very nicely Yeah, I, I think, think so. Yeah. There was uh, Kane Williamson. I think he took a catch of Kane Williamson. It was exactly. a wonderful catch. Um, so in the end, uh, New Zealand were bowled out for 243. Um, good, 
bowling performance i would, I would say from india and india you know they they are the master of these chases now so they 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 chase down anything uh, the top 3 uh, were quite good i think shikhar dhawan missed he played he, i think he made only 28 but uh, virat kohli and uh, rohit sharma both made uh, 50s 60 odd runs uh, both yeah. of them yeah um i think when um, virat kohli got out or was that kohli yeah when virat kohli got out it was 168 for 3 they needed another 80 odd runs uh, and um, raidu and kartik were at the crease they got to spend a lot of time uh, at the wicket you have to say it's been quite some time i think they they both batted so much so long mm-hmm. so it was good batting practice for them match practice i would say and uh, they took uh, india home uh, in of the course. end a uh, comprehensive win yep um, in 43 overs so the they just in, yeah india took the series there so 3-0 up uh, what could go on from there you know they they had everything in the bag so What happened afterwards? Do you want to say, Ajit? Well, apparently the only way was down for this <laughs> team because they seem to have missed or let's say got the first of all the combination a bit wrong. So they decided to rest Shami and Dhoni did not make a comeback into the team. You know, his for the fourth ODI I would have seen Dhoni in the team because uh, Kohli was not there. He's such a big influence, Kohli. It showed, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. But. it was swinging conditions and indians did not seem to have understood this did not seem to have picked it and then yeah. new zealand got to bowl first and they really made it count so let's first of all fully credit trent bolt for a wonderful bowling spell of 5 for 21 he was very ably supported by colin grandhome right who took 3 for 26 but uh, so this is almost like going back to the uh, days when there were two new balls newly introduced almost like 2015 world cup times where yeah. bolt sort of began one end of the innings and bowled out and then yeah. one other guy replaced him on the other side and sort of also bowled out so bolt and random almost sort of bowled in tandem for a long while and they really they really had really good swing going right so that along with the swing that was in play i think the pitch was sort of a little slower than what was anticipated by the batsman so you could see there were a lot of cotton bowls so at least at the top of the order so it it clearly showed they were sort of in a slightly sticky wicket that they couldn't make out and then so rohit sharma was dismissed caught and bowled bolt and then dhawan was sort of clearly dissected where he was dragged in front of the stumps and one came in and he missed it and he was plumb shubman gill who had uh, you know very decent enough debut it was not easy conditions to bat but he too sort of ended up spooning a straight catch to bolt and then sort of gra- gra- grand home to core from there and Uh, he dismissed both raidu and karthik for blobs i think raidu played a very aggressive shot sort of to try to break the shackles even though he had not played a whole lot of whole lot of time at the crease and he got dismissed for a duck and karthik sort of guided a swinger that was going away from him straight to the keeper so basically this left the top order in a complete disarray and jada was also completely opened out again by bolt with the ball coming in right wonderful exhibition of swing bowling by bolt and then sort of pandya sort of came in and realized we are going to now probably fall for a 35 so he sort of tried to hit out he scored four quick boundaries he sort of took india beyond their lowest you know odi score which was sometime in 2000 i think in 50s and he sort of took it out and then even though he couldn't last very long sort of kuldeep yadav and chahal showed the sort of application the top order should have shown you know this is where i would say dhoni was missed probably a 90 ball 50 or a 90 ball 40 from him would be very appreciated on this pitch on this sort of a pitch mm-hmm. because even a 175 would have been a good score you know on such a swinging sort of a pitch maybe in the afternoon it would not be the same but you would still take your chances but at 93 or 92 you had absolutely no chance and then of mm-hmm. course new zealand came out to bat 
and they, they they were free they were free in their mind gapil showed that approach so he was 6 yeah. 4 4 out you know the first four balls of the innings maneshwar <laughs> kumar got him out but they, he, he was clearly showing i'm going to go for my shots have nothing to lose right he he opened with nichols who was uh, promoted to open in place of colin munro yeah colin munro i think has run out of his chances so i think he may have to now find the hard way back into the odi team right mm-hmm. uh, so now you have Jimmy Nisham, who slots in nicely at six, who gives this additional bowler batsman balance, and you also have all-rounders like Bracewell and Grandom. So really, I think um, Colin Munro might find it a bit tough. So he'll have to do all the hard yards quickly. Yeah. So along with Nichols, Williamson sort of stayed for a while, but Nichols and Williamson were calm. But then once Williamson was dismissed again by Kumar, Puneshwar Kumar, in comes Ross Taylor. He has nothing to lose, so he adds some impetus and. even before the dinner break you know new zealand comfortably win this so hmm. as bhuneshwar kumar put it at the end of the match it's a good wake up call right yeah. for the indian yeah. teams the, was absolutely flying and then yeah. they were brought down to the ground with a crash so it's a good one and it's nice to see it's happening here rather than at the world cup right yeah so it's it's good and i think the indian team management will realize they need dhoni's you know the the experience the nows that he brings in they need it in the center him saying something to a player nudging a player here there moving the field a little all of this will really matter yeah. you know but you know one 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 point i have to mention this uh, go for in it in the top 6 in the top 6 batsmen in the in the indian indian batting lineup uh, uh-huh. if you notice uh, none of them are a regular uh, in the test side so we don't have any test regular in the top 6 I see. So you have Rohit Sharma and Shikhar Dhawan, but they have both been on and off. But yeah. uh, apart from them, there is nobody who can, uh, who could actually spend time at the crease. You know, to just get a feel for the wicket. Nobody was there to uh, spend time at the wicket. For example, somebody like Cheteshwar Pujara, although he's not part of the ODI setup, I know he would have spent a bit more time before, uh, you know, playing any rash shot or playing away from the body without minimal footwork. You know. so i think they miss somebody there with the experience with that kind of experience and dhoni might have made a difference like you said uh, his presence itself would have calmed things down a little bit and uh, he would have taken time he had all the time right i mean they, they were bowled out within 30 31 overs so yeah, they had a lot more balls to play with so i think they miss that uh, presence that kind of presence where somebody would uh, you know uh, drop the anchor at one end and uh, calm things down a bit for the uh, for the guys because the moment the people see a swinging ball i think uh, it kind of um, makes them feel a bit afraid i think they're not used to these kinds of conditions uh, on a regular uh, uh, basis yeah so okay yeah now now let's see I mean i think in the upcoming match they will fix the lineup you know dhoni might mm-hmm. come into the equation again one of karthik or aidu may miss out right So we'll see, and also look, Sharma and Dhawan have the depth or have the experience. When they got out, I think the rest of the middle order sort of did not have that. I, I, even though Raidu and Karthik are very experienced at the domestic level, probably yeah. they missed out on this trick. What you just yeah. pointed yeah. out, right? One yeah. of them had to stick in. Shubman Gill, I don't expect too much to ask. So, but it's his first match. But one of these both, I would have. They both scored ducks, unfortunately, and so did Jadhav. He didn't make much but, of an impact. But okay, you know, mm-hmm. it's one. It's a one-off. It's that's the way I would like to look at it. Not really worry about it. The series is one. I would not like to make it three-two if I were the Indian team management, coaching management, right? Mm-hmm. So also, maybe on such a pitch, you know, it's not. It's not a bad idea to probably play. 
two fast bowling all rounders or medium pace all rounders you have pandya good maybe how about vijay shankar on this pitch right maybe yeah. these are the sort of pitches you could expect if india were to play i don't know their entire itinerary but in the world cup maybe if they play in headingley or roseball or one of those places maybe mm-hmm. having two fast bowling all rounders even having aspinias four or even five pace options might not be a bad idea you know yeah. it's, it's it's an option to have rested one of the spin bowling options as well they choose to bring in khalil ahmed who sort of learning his craft is a left arm pacer so he brings this additional thing but maybe one of the spinners could have been left out and maybe you know vijay shankar yeah. could have played uh, just a thought but if you score 92 it makes no sense it makes no it makes no difference if <laughs> if you have five or eight bowlers but it helps yeah. you know that calmness along with an additional bowler could have made a difference but Well, Let's see, man. Yeah, I think they do need an additional bowler, right? Bowler, right? Because if they were to play Raidu and uh, if they were to take, uh, uh, you know, make use of his uh, part-time uh, off-spin, they would not be allowed to, right? Yeah, so, yeah, he's banned now. He can't yeah. bowl anymore. You have a point. So yeah. maybe you're right. In England, I think there may be. I somehow feel Pandya might be the only bowling all-rounder. But let's see. Well, let's see. You see. Look, I would even maybe include Jadeja. you know it's it's ah, not yeah, a bad I idea forgot about him right i mean yeah right it's it's yeah. fine so he bowls these fast fastish sort of balls who yeah. doesn't really require a good pitch or a bad pitch he sort of takes the pitch out of the equation he might be the sort of guy as well mm. uh, let's see how it goes you know this is this is a good wake up call as we already discussed and i think dhoni needs to come back into the mix and they need to think a few little bit more about their combinations it's fine you know mm-hmm. it's all fine but you don't want to lose the momentum you don't want to lose two matches in a row right yeah. something they need to manage i think shubman gill should be given a chance uh, one more time Is now it? that you've started started him off in the team it would not be right to simply rest him or simply drop him immediately maybe he needs to play at least one more match let him get a bit more time in yeah. the middle right this is my opinion yeah. all right so now that we've finished the men's side of it let's um let's yeah. just see if we can what else is going on yeah look at the women's side right yeah so uh, in the women's odis so again new zealand and india women are facing off against each other right so the indian team had already played like the first one day and they had won it comfortably but yeah. in the second one day again uh the indian team won the second match comfortably right yeah. so it was sort of uh, sort of all went to script so to say for the indian women's team they first of all bowled first right and they dismissed the new zealand women for 161 only the captain amy satterthwaite making a 71 right the indian fast bowlers were good julan goswami and uh, pande they were really good shikha pande but then when when it came to the indian innings they were really comfortable so mandana scored another 90 not out really mm. under a run a ball really quick innings but very calm and she was of course accompanying mithali raj right yeah. this doyen of indian women's cricket who's who's really a super international superstar we don't give her enough who just finished uh, her 200 odi right of course of course i think yeah. with the third uh, one day international she's finished her 200 odi she's <laughs> unfortunately Yeah, that's happening. Yeah, yeah, one additional point I would like to make here. Uh, there was it. one more person who finished uh, 200 ODIs. Have a guess. Nah, come on. I know it's Rohit Sharma. But yeah, yeah. Who also ended up on the losing side in that. That match. happens. That happens. That happens. I mean, look, I, I very much expect at least. Also, Quinton De Kock, who finished his 200, uh, 100 ODIs, he also, oh. I think, uh, he got out uh, cheaply, and I think they lost that match, South Africa. 
anyway let's it looks like these hundreds of <laughs> not the milestones to remember no yeah yeah but anyway so to wrap up the hmm. first match that was it it was not much to write home about it was a very up and down affair straight forward but the third match i think new zealand women had learned their lessons so yeah. first of all they insert, uh, inserted india into bat right and then except deepthi sharma nobody else in the top order had anything to say harman dukpreet kaur made at 24 but nobody really contributed and the new zealand seamers really came to the party leah yeah. tohu and uh, peterson they really came to the party and they took seven wickets between them and then dismissed india for just 149 so that meant there is going to be an easy chase and again the captain satterthwaite came back and made a 66 and along with suzy bates the opener they comfortably took new zealand home so it was a 2-1 victory for the indian team in the series right but yeah. i mean they now have three t20s to look forward to so i still say I, the one thing i would like to remind <coughs> the take away is that one mm-hmm. of the new zealand players made this statement they said the indian women showed how to do a good tour how to really play on tour right mm-hmm. so it was a good lesson for them they said so it was nice so uh, i hope the indian women's team can also take this form going forward and also win the t20 series right yeah yeah it was a quick summary of that but one, uh, one additional point i would like to mention about smriti mandana's performance uh, in this Go series as well as in the last uh, few ODIs that she has played in the last 10 ODIs before this uh, third uh, ODI i think mm-hmm. uh, she she has made a score of 50 or more in eight innings in, during the last wow. 10 that's prolific uh, yeah. run uh, you know run making this so is and, almost uh, uh, dravid yeah. like isn't it <laughs> but yes. yeah yes. but uh, but with the style of uh, maybe sehwag she is quite an attacking player uh, and you know in the first odi she scored 100 match winning 100 second one she again a brisk 50 uh, i saw one of her interviews the other day and then she said uh, she tries she tried very hard not to get out uh, but she that she liked you know to finish things off you know because she always plays a rash shot and gets out after having a good start or after having made a big score so that's why she Um, even after uh, you know bringing india home in the first odi when she scored 100 she mm-hmm. was not there till the end i think she got out just before the end and then she was not happy about it in the second odi i think she made a, make made amends to that i think she yeah. was uh, yeah. not out at the end um so that, if, if you listen to her speak she has a very cl- uh, she's very clear about what she wants uh, you know uh, i mean she kind of reminds me of virender sehwag uh, so she takes mm. uh, the bowlers to the attack and then uh, scores runs at the top of the order so Let's hope her uh, all the best. I think she's a very good prospect, a very uh, talent, talented player. Let's hope uh, she she takes the mantle of uh, you know uh, India's most successful woman uh, women's batsman or batter after Mithali Raj. Let's hope that. Indeed. No, it gears well that she's showing this responsibility that she wants to remain there till the end of the match, right? That's sort of yeah. the responsibility that a senior player shows. So she's yeah, sort she's of growing. Yeah, she's just 22 story. or 23, I think. She's not uh, that old anyway. Yeah. Indeed. so yeah that that really augurs well for the indian women's cricket team all right so if you were to look at the other limited over series that are ongoing so pakistan versus south africa so just as a summary they basically had the two remaining odis so right so we had already yeah. summarized the first three odis so the fourth one and the fifth one happened this week and the first t20 also happened right yeah so if you were to look at it well i mean uh, Pakistan won the fourth ODI comfortably to square the yeah. series to all, so that they could take it into the decider. So uh, they first of all bowled first in the fourth ODI, and then except Amla and maybe Faf Duplessis, nobody really batted, 
for South Africa. So they were comfortably placed or relatively comfortably placed at 119 for two, mm. right? So yeah. they they were able to then not really capitalize on that. By this yeah. time, they were sort of stuck for runs. They were in a rut. They couldn't get out of it. And then Usman Shinwari comes in and maybe Shaheen Shah Afridi is introduced back into the attack and they really, really bowl well. What do yeah. they do? Usman Shinwari takes us, you know, 35... Uh, wicket uh, runs considered he takes four wickets so that in seven hours he made a good comeback right yeah. as a result of that pa- pakistan comfortably win the fourth odi yeah. but in the yeah. last odi they sort of you know they they all the old felities came back and they sort of um they sort of were able to not really perform well in the decider uh, they first of all you know they batted first in the last yeah. odi in yeah. this case, um, they sort of only were able to make 240. And this too with a lot of impetus from the lower order. So from the top order, only Fakhar Zaman played well. And uh, the South Africans bowled really well throughout. So they brought back Dale Stein into the 11 for the last ODI. You know, they did a few different things. They started the innings with Imran Tahir instead of another fast bowler. Along with Stein, they brought in Vian Mulder into the middle order. right? Yeah. So they, they tried a few things. They were experimenting, but still they were... On the top of their game, they continue to strike, uh, get wickets on regular intervals. Except Fakhar Zaman, who made 70, right? Nobody supported him. And then no. only towards the end, Imad Wasim scored a 47 so that they could even get to 240 at the end of 50 overs. But yeah. this is really not going to be enough. So this South African run machine is also really nicely geared up. And Quinton de Kock leads it. And he made an 83 of you know 58 balls. And then he really blew Pakistan out of the water. I think he was given a life early on, but it really didn't matter. You know... Uh, Mohammad Amir, who's been sort of under the radar, continued to stay under the radar. He did not really look effective. I think he's attracting a lot of criticism because, look, there was nothing in the chase. First of all, yeah. Quinton de Kock hit 83. There was nobody supporting him at the top. But then Reza Hendrik comes in and they go on really helter-skelter. And then yeah. the back of the chase is broken. With Even though he gets out with about uh, 90 runs required, Faf Duplessis and Hendrik van der Dusen com- comfortably finish the... the let's say the series and they win the series um so this is a quick summary of the one day series right so ajit uh, before uh, we move on to the uh, t20 uh, i want to mention something about uh, the captaincy here of uh, pakistan you know, Shoaib Malik stood in for Sarfraz. Sarfraz was handed a four-match suspension. What do you have to say about that? Uh, it's, it's an ongoing issue throughout, throughout this uh, ODI series and the T20, but uh, what do you have to say about this now? Look, uh, we sort of discussed this in the previous mm. episode as well. Yeah. I found it a bit odd that the Pakistani board was disappointed with the, uh, you know, the penalty that was imposed on Sarfraz. So... Mm. We sort of already sort of were reading which way the wind was blowing. We were saying uh, Faf Duplessis accepted the apology, but he wouldn't sort of rule out a penalty because that he said was not in his hands. He could have said it was. But, you know, he sort of clearly may indicated a penalty would still be in order. Right? Yeah. yeah. So that's how it turned out. And we sort of almost predicted a 4-8 to eight match ban is what is going to come. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And this is exactly what happened because Hassan Mani, the PCB chairman, sort of hit out at ICC saying it's not, it's against common sense, etc., etc. I found that a bit weird because, uh, look, in a country like South Africa, you can't get away by saying something racist, 
right? Especially given the history. So yeah. I think that's unfortunate. Some in this case, as a you know um, chairman of a board or whatever, the less you say is better because you're not going to look. You're, you're not going to come out looking or you know looking good or smelling of flowers, as they say. So yeah. it was a bit weird, but. Well, I mean, I think Shoaib Malik has been doing a good job, right? You could see there's a difference in captaincy style already from the fourth yeah, over. He's much more calm, you know, on he, the field. He's yeah, more expressive. He, he doesn't shout as much. You know, he, he, look, he's also 37. It helps. He's seen a lot more cricket, right? And he's been through the ups and downs. You see that. Uh, it's, it's also another thing I would like to quickly mention. Personally, I think it's not a regression, but... Maybe they could have tried out Babar Azam or maybe even Fakhar Zaman if they thought he, if they were the guys going forward. But they chose, as is, it's clearly a stopgap, right? The bigger plan is still in place and Shoaib Malik is just the guy who's playing a small part. So it might not be a bad idea, right? But as as these things go, there's already a little bit of a, a little bit of a, you know, windstorm back in Pakistan where they're talking of maybe Shoaib Malik taking over the captaincy in the World Cup, but he's adamant and he's insisting he doesn't want to do it. So, let's see how it goes. For me... Shoaib Malik doesn't want to do it. No, no, no. He just wants it to be his one song. He wants to finish off ODIs with the World Cup. <laughs> mm. So, we'll have to see. Right? For me, I would like to see Sarfas continue such a short-term left. It might not be a good thing to change captains. Given that, he, well, he doesn't have the sort of uh, results you would like, but that's okay. Right, so this 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 leads us leads us to the last uh, match that's just happened today, the first T20 yeah. between the two teams. Right, so well, it was it was a very exciting T20. You know, you could see that first of all, yeah, South Africa batted first and they scored 192 thanks to Fafti Plessis 78 and Riza Hendricks 74, both of whom are carrying their good form. Right, mm-hmm. they had a, a new keeper in Gihan Kluter. And they also sort of had a lot of new people in the lineup. So, Henry Klassen only played as a batsman, and you had uh, Chris Morris who came back into the mix again, right? Mm-hmm. So, and you also they sort of rested their premium bowlers. They took on yeah. Buran Hendricks, Junior Dalla, and uh, Tabresh Shomsi, right? Yeah. So, uh, I would say it was it was interesting to see mm-hmm. that they would get a completely new lineup, but it, it, the lineup clicked really well. You could see that, first of all, the batting part was very good. They set up a very challenging score on a big stadium like Cape Town. It was really nice to see that they were able to score 192, which is a tough score. But then Pakistan really came out firing. So even though Fakhar Zaman could not get off to a flying start, Babar Azam looked in really good touch. So Babar Azam and Hussein Talat was promoted to number three, really did a good job. right? And along with Shoaib Malik, who sort of stuck fighting till the end, they almost took Pakistan home. A six-run loss is nothing to be ashamed of. They did really good. But I think uh, the credit goes to the little bit of difference between the two teams when it comes to the, let's say, the fielding and the bowling and you know, those small small skills. So they, um, they were able to really make a big difference with that. So now, uh, with this going on, I would say... I think the series is very interestingly set up as far as I'm oh, concerned. Yeah, right? one one thing I forgot to mention, uh, Ajit. Uh, yeah. At the end of the ODI series, uh, although South Africa won it 3-2, uh-huh. the man of the series or player of the series was uh, Imamul Haq. Do uh-huh. you think that is a fair uh, appraisal of uh, his performance or of the whole series that has gone on? Yes, yes. I, I would definitely think that. Because I, I think he he's, he's really performing well. He's able to go ahead and... Um, you know, he, he made a few telling contributions to the team. 
So I would say that's well done him, and he deserves it, right? So yeah, yeah it's I, I'm really backing Pakistan to still take the T20 series to one. What do you think, Giri? Um, uh, it's it's going to be difficult. Pakistan is the number one T20 side in the world, um, so you you could count uh, them to take you know put up a good performance. But then again, I think uh, it's going to be tough. T20 is more of a lottery. It's not real cricket for me. Okay. Yeah. It it can be anybody's day. Of course. So. All right. So uh, now, if we've wrapped up all the international events that's been going on, let's take a quick look at the miscellaneous. You know some of the other events around the cricketing field. So now we say. So we were to look at the NL team's performance. NL team has uh, NL being Netherlands, right? So we are in the Netherlands. So let's take a quick look. So they have two upcoming tours. One is the Oman tour starting on the 8th of February, and the other is the India tour. which starts on the 18th of february but in in the indian tour they play some first class matches and versus india and so on so in the oman tour they are uh, led by peter seller in fact they are led by peter seller in both these tours and they have a very uh, let's say very experienced lineup but what we see is in the tour to oman they have the services of both ben cooper the brother of uh, the australian player right and then mm. they also have ryan tendoskata or ryan tendo as he's called right so they have both these very experienced players playing for them and they are coached by ryan campbell the australian right and J- james hildich who's also an ex australian player right so they are all these people and then when it comes to the tour of india unfortunately tendo is not available right because i think he's probably going to play in the ipl or one of the other psl leagues. maybe i think PSL, psl precedes the IPL. you got that right you yeah. got that, right but still they have a very strong team so it's going to be very very interesting because i have a little bit of little bit of experience playing in these leagues i see a lot of names here and a lot of uh, league uh, teams that we come across they of course play at a slightly higher level but it's very nice to see all of these clubs being represented. but who are they going to play against uh, in india I have to really check the. Okay. Really check the. I think we can do that in the next episode. We can do a more uh, uh, detailed coverage. So in one of the upcoming episodes, we'll try to see what are the matches Netherlands will be involved in, and maybe we can also summarize them quickly, right? Yeah, would be nice. Yeah. All right. So um, now going forward, there is another not so nice incident that's happening in Sri Lankan cricket where um, Mrs. Lasit Malinga, Tanya Pereira. is having a facebook spat with uh, tisara perera the all rounder of the team right mm. so there seems to be some little bit of a bad blood in the way the captains changed around the end of 2017 i think because tisara perera was the captain and the captaincy was then handed over to lasit malinga but something mm. has really gone wrong there and uh, some some of this dirty linen has been washed out on the facebook platform which is yeah. very unfortunate right mm. have you read that seen any of this followed this no i haven't had time to look at this actually i i just saw the news article flash by but then didn't go much into details but it does lo- it doesn't look like a nice thing to be uh, you know uh, associated with you don't want to do those things uh, you you want to be focused more on your cricket than uh, these uh, trivial things of course so i would say you know tisara parara is sort of trying to take the higher ground by approaching the uh, sri lankan cricket ceo ashley dasilva and trying to get him to intervene and get it resolved outside of the mm. public platform so uh, just a small thing to mention uh, maybe not a good thing to do considering both are very important players and in a world cup year with a few months left you know you don't want to really rock the boat 
but let's see small things i think they'll overcome it they'll you know be stronger for it so yeah. one of the other things that we can quickly take a look at is that uh, well ranji trophy, trophy finals, finals yeah, yeah. Uh, it's going to start on 3rd of february so that's the yeah. sunday uh, it's going to be played at uh, vidarbha cricket association stadium which is at nagpur yeah. going to be played between uh, yeah let's say umesh yadav against cheteshwar pujara uh-huh uh-huh vidarbha would... against uh, saurashtra <laughs> that's how i would look at it of course yeah, yeah but, but yeah. it's being played at nagpur which is uh, vidarbha's uh, home ground uh, yeah. so yeah. what 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 are your thoughts about this look it first of all i would like to really uh, say i'm happy to see these two uh, you know india representatives going back and representing and you know playing for their uh, state teams right yeah. this makes ranji trophy stronger this makes our domestic setup stronger this shows that and yeah. we already saw the difference that umesh adav and cheteshwar pujara made to their respective semi finals right absolutely yeah. they were the top performers and i'm sure it will be again a really really tough contest also in the finals mm-hmm. but look vidarbha are the defending champions they also have a lot of you know lot of good pedigree lot of good players there and it's going to be a very interesting final as far as i'm concerned i think it will be a keenly contested final mm-hmm. so it might be more than just umesh yadav versus che pujara but i think these teams are evenly matched but if anything i think uh, saurashtra has a stronger batting lineup and vidarbha slightly stronger bowling lineup so mm-hmm. i i think uh, it's going to be a yeah nice match so whom do you back kiri to win um well I I mean uh, my home team is not playing Karnataka is not playing so all right uh, if I were to choose either of these um, because I'm a fan of his batting and the way you know uh, he approaches the game uh, as a purist I would uh, support Cheteshwar Pujara's team uh, on this occasion so I would like uh, Saurashtra to win if that's okay. going to happen that's another story of course yeah but I'm going to just just to offer an counter point you know I'm going to back uh, Vidarbha to win or rather yeah. retain the trophy right umesh but vidarbha the defending champions right so exactly i'm going so, to back them to retain the trophy i think you mentioned this offline or maybe uh, in one of your our earlier uh, episodes uh, that a team which wins the ranji trophy on a on a given season has a chance of winning it two or three times on the trot you know because they have a such a st- solid uh, team based uh, they can build on they can uh, keep performing at a very high level consistently right i think it's one of the things we have seen over the years at ranji cricket indeed no but it it is seen also along uh, along the same lines you see the same patterns emerging overall across the different leagues in the world sometimes even in the odis that a very strong team is able to convert and you know try to sustain yeah yeah sustain mm-hmm. and go even karnataka team did it a few years ago right and mumbai yeah. has been doing it for decades i guess so yes so to keep it short i would say yes A, a strong team a strong core of the team always is good and they are able to take it further and further okay then so these are some of the events that we wanted to cover today right so mm. if you were to now look at some of the standard things that we normally say so first of all we've already covered the answer to the you know the trivia question we had last week so let's now go for the new trivia question right so yeah. the trivia question this week is which is the only batting record that is remaining from the first ever test that happened between australia and england in 1877 at the mcc right so uh, i would say you know there is a very special record that remains this is this is a very unique record that you know it's a batting record and i would encourage the, our listeners to think in terms of percentages 
right that's all i can say so just think about it and the answer will become obvious right and it's sometimes even discussed about even now in the commentary if you have to listen to it in live matches so especially tests so yeah we would like we would love to listen to your thoughts and your comments and also to the answers right for example earlier in the episode we were already discussing about jason holder's height so we were discussing if he is the tallest centurion or the double centurion out there so any any thoughts or inputs about this or maybe you want to you know debate us on this please feel free to write to amchair.cricket@gmail.com or tweet uh, to us at amchaircrickpod this is our twitter handle right and during matches we are around so maybe you want to have a banter with us on twitter or uh, have a nice debate um, also i think um, given the amount of cricket we are playing these days right so there's such a lot of cricket we will get to notice also in the coming weeks we have the ongoing t20 series between south africa and pakistan we have the two tests that are ongoing right and following this will be the third test between uh, england and west indies as well and india will now go back home once they wrap up the t20 series and so on and so on so plenty of cricket to look forward to so i hope you guys can join us again in the upcoming weeks so i would like to thank uh, giri for uh, his wonderful contributions and uh, also you know for hosting the first part of the show so thanks a lot giri thanks for having me ajit thank you and uh, thanks to all our listeners hope you keep listening to the amchair cricket podcast thanks guys see you around bye 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 You're listening to the Armchair Cricket Podcast.